Hi, I'm Stephen, and this is a podcast called Challenging Leadership. Welcome to the show, and my co-host is... I'm Jared Scott. Excellent. Good. Right. Okay, so it's my turn today. It's my theme today, and I've chosen the topic of technology and its effects on leadership. Um, And I guess I got a bit sucked down the old AI rabbit hole in particular, so that's a really interesting area. Um, but I do want to talk about technology a bit more widely. Um, but I think, you know, given that AI is on everybody's lips at the moment, we should spend a bit of time on that. Sure, absolutely. So I guess the first place to go really is is I'm I'm a bit older than you, so um, technology... Just a little bit. Just, don't, don't make just a little bit, just a decade. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I've seen more changes um, in technology um, in the workplace. I mean, my career started a bit late, I guess, but um, I started my career about 30 and I joined an IT team. Um, so I was kind of straight into technology when I really started to, to do my career seriously. Um, and obviously that has massive impacts on on the way that we do our jobs um, and trying to think about how the effects that had and ongoing changes has on leadership is actually quite tricky. Um, so I've got a couple of papers, a couple of research papers that I I thought might be a useful kind of um, focus, but we can talk about anything obviously, but it's wow, just a way of, of thinking about them. One's about technology in general um, and particularly around HR, but obviously, you know, managers worry about a lot of the HR type stuff like recruiting, um, training, organizing employees, performance management, those sorts of things. So this paper that I'm I'm looking at now, um, I'll put the link on the show notes if people want to access it. These are all open documents, so you can anybody can download them. Um, This one's called The Influence of Technology on the Future of Human Resource Management uh, by Stone, Dedrick, uh, Lukaseski and Richard Johnson. Um, So maybe I just throw a few things at you and and, um, get your thoughts and and then, uh, because obviously we don't just be a monologue of me talking about this paper. Um, So so there's various different avenues that this paper looks at, um, and it talks about goals of human management or human resource management. One of the goals is to attract talent, uh, a talented and diverse workforce, and another is is choosing those. So let's lump those together. So recruitment and selection, I suppose. Um, Technology has helped us with that, What's your experience of using technology to do those things? Um, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I was uh, I was literally just reading an article on LinkedIn about uh, it, it focused on AI, but actually even before that, mm-hmm. you know, there's I think about people turning in applications. Um, it's become an easier process with technology. You can have QR codes. People can just drive drive by and uh, pop it with their phone and, and pull it up, and mm-hmm. you know do it at their convenience. Whereas in, in the past, you know, it used to be, well, you got to come in and actually sit down and fill out an application. And so um, some of that, I think there's benefits. Like, do you want people that are unwilling to stop their car and come in and <laughs> sit down? Um, you're finding out what type of person they are, but also when you make it convenient, I think you also get a wider range of people because you don't know what their circumstances are, but then getting into actually 
going through the information, um, it saves time because you can uh, you can have AI or you can have software of any type look for like key things that you want to see in an application. But then you see articles where it's like if you put these keywords in your uh, resume, then you're bound to be selected. That's right. <laughs> so it's yeah. like there. Anytime you remove the human element, I think there's going to be a downside. There's you just got to weigh the cost. Is that there's an upside to technology sorting and, and organizing, looking for patterns and algorithms, but I think the human mind is always going to be superior in just noticing those little niche things that you just can't pick up on using software. Now, software may get to a point where it, it can pick up on those things, and that's scary. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, I, and that's really interesting insight, actually. Um, and the paper suggests that, so this is a paper that is essentially a meta-analysis of, of lots of other pieces of work. So it's quite, these are quite good meta-analyses because you can, it gives you a bit of a rounded out view of the state of the science at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it suggests that the data seems to suggest that when you're using electronic um, recruitment, um, like stuff on websites, and I mean, these days, it's that's the, primary way i mean nobody uses any other method now so i guess and what it's done is increased your reach so we now reach many more people we have more uh people applying but at the time so this is going back about eight years actually at the time of this paper and um, there was no evidence to say that actually we were recruiting better if you like so mm-hmm. um it doesn't so yes we it's it's more efficient so it raises quite an interesting question actually that i i hadn't thought of before but i always like these types of questions is essentially what is your goal um and the question is is our goal to be more efficient or is our goal to be more effective Mm -hmm. Um, and the two might not be the same thing and i think we can definitely say that recruitment has become more efficient Mm -hmm. we're getting through greater numbers of applications we're um, we're able to, as you say, perhaps use some technology to eliminate certain um, classes or groups of people that don't qualify for whatever reason. But does that make it more effective? And I'm not sure. Like you, I I worry a little bit about the um, the way that these processes have created a situation where if you know how to game the system, um, you can you can get in front of people. And if you don't, you're you're constantly being rejected. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, you might be a really good candidate. It's just that you don't have the tricks. Um, you don't know the words to use, specific words. Um, and I think that's a shame. That's surely not what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. It's um, it, it, The other tough thing is you think about whether we want to or not, I think we all think that we don't have built-in biases but yeah. um, we do, <laughs> and yeah. those can even present themselves, unfortunately, um, in the in the market of hiring. Mm. Um, I mean, you could just see someone slovenly dressed and say, "Nope, never going to do it," and you have no mm. idea that that was just that was what they were dealing with that day, and they were just desperate for the job and it had a tremendous amount of talent or whatever it may be. Well, the one thing about using software, or if we wanted to say AI, um, AI can be set up where it's not looking at anything but the raw data. Um, so it doesn't care. It doesn't care about all those other things. So it doesn't have feelings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so there's an upside maybe is that, uh, when they're sifting through things, um, cause we're not supposed to look at people's background, uh, race, religion, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, any of that stuff has nothing to do with the hiring process. You know, it's not supposed to. Yeah. Um, but AI, AI is something that could bypass those those uh, prejudices that exist and also uh, the biases. Yeah, that's and that's one of the um, the claims, I suppose, to that is a benefit um, of using technology. Um, there's a couple of things. I think they're quite interesting there. One is that um, there has been some research um, that's quite robust that suggests that, yeah, biases do play a part. um, And when you remove the, any sort of markers, um, whether it be a name or um, where, where people come from, um, if you remove all of those, then you get a different result when people are, are sifting through, um, CV. So that's, that mm-hmm. suggests that, um, yeah, we do, we may have biases, even, even though we might, uh, not realize it. Um, the, uh, the, the slight concern though, is, is that things like AI, um, and dumb systems, if you like, mm-hmm. that are essentially just searching for, um, keywords. Um, they also though can reflect, the biases of the society that created them. So um, this is one of the, the the concerns about AI is that essentially AI is um, a black box that we don't know how the decisions are being made. So um, if it's trawling the internet and just scraping it for any data, then, you know, the biases and the unfairnesses and the injustices that are present in society as reflected in the internet will also be reflected by the AI itself. So there's, Mm. I mean, there's some obvious examples, I suppose. So, um, you know, you might say in the UK, we have basically a handful of of universities and um, schools that um, seem to populate the, uh, the great and the good, you know? So if you're the last few prime ministers have all gone to, um, Oxford University and either Westminster School or, or Eton. And that is, you know, that is staggering when you think about all the millions of people in the country and yet we keep choosing from this small pool. Um, so if you get an AI, let's say, to do the uh, recruiting for prime minister, um, would it would it pick somebody like me um, brought up in a council estate um, or would it choose somebody like the people that we've had because that's what we've had before. So yeah, there are, there are dangers. I think we're relying, believing that AI and technology can just remove those biases. Cause if it's in society, it's, it's going to be present in, in those systems too. So you have to be slightly yeah. careful. With that's, that. that's an interesting, uh, interesting perspective as well. Mm. It's, it's, it's scary that I'm afraid to talk too much about AI because my mind starts going in all these different directions. Like, you know, Space Odyssey, remember where he's like, I decided I'm just going to shut down all the life pods, you yeah. know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it, it becomes, uh, becomes cognizant yeah. of its existence. Open the pod bay doors. Oh, oh, um, oh yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- there are real fears around AI. We, we, we need to get into AI, I think, um, on this discussion. Um, sure. Before we do, can I just um, also raise the question of learning? Because obviously that's something that we're both really interested in. Yeah, um, yeah. We're both trainers and coaches um, mm-hmm. by trade, I would say. And, um, and you know, in, in my lifetime, I've seen e-learning um, become much more dominant 
and I have my own e-learning courses that um, that I might as well do the advert now. You know, mm-hmm. um, click on the link below to have a look at my courses that I deliver. Um, they've been one of the top sellers on Udemy for quite some time, and we're now selling them directly. So um, have a look at those. But of course, what they are are me um, using some graphics, sitting in front of a camera, talking about uh, or teaching um, leadership and management skills. Um, I give people exercises to do and things to have a go at, um, but it's all very one way. And so and that tends to be the way that e-learning goes um obviously another part of my job is to deliver courses in-house and they are so different i wonder what's your insights into um the benefits or ups and downsides of of e-learning oh goodness do we have time (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you brought this up i remember when i first uh, moved into a a training department um we we decided we're going to be instituting a new learning management system this was in 2004 yep and um, it was kind of cool at the time, but there was huge resistance to it, especially at that time, because all training was needed to be in person, right? And um, one of the things that uh, we went to, and this was, this was uh, you know, higher ups can go, we want to save money and it's just better. No one has to travel anywhere. We can just push these courses out in the LMS and you log in and you sit down at your desk and then a week later, now you're a qualified engineer, you're a qualified <laughs> salesperson or whatever it is you're trying to qualify them in, you know, because, hey, they watched it. They're good. You know, you have little quizzes to test the mm-hmm. knowledge. Um, and we found that the e-learning was good for some things, but then yeah. other things it was not good. Yeah. This took several, several years to figure this out. And so what it turned into was adopting a philosophy of we'll call it blended learning mm-hmm. where you would have some things that just, this has to be done in person. Yeah. You need to, you need to be there to do this, to touch it and to feel it, um, the product and things like that. But um, e-learning also, I feel like that if it's a terrible course to start with in person, it's going to be made much worse <laughs> once it's on the computer screen. Yeah. So uh, it, it really put pressure on the team that's creating this training it has to be above and beyond anything that you would have done in, in, in the uh, in the classroom because you just you can't adjust or adapt like you, you've probably had to do that. You see the the class has this look on their face. Oh, they're not getting it. So I've got to change gears and uh, you can't change gears with an e-learning. You get what you get. There's just a left and a right button. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I think that um, it has its place now if we shift forward to recent times with the uh, problem with COVID and creating an environment where we had to learn remotely. Mm. Uh, E-learning became super beneficial, but also we found that it needed to be uh, supplemented with, we'll call them uh, webinars, like you and I are talking. We're we're thousands of kilometers away from each other, and yet we can act like we're in the same room. And so we, with the advent of uh, more use of that, I think it helped balance things out a little bit, but we still rely on in-person training. Uh, But, that's my take on it. E-learnings are great, but they need to be for the right thing. They just can't, they can't go with everything. Yeah, and I think that's um, that reflects actually really well the general movement. I think in industry in in general, that seems to be the way that most organisations have gone. It's taken us some time, but yeah, like you, I remember when e-learning was going to 
basically remove all the needs for any training rooms or trainers, you know, and um, for a while it seemed that that was the case. But it was so obvious to me that the experience um, of e-learning, and, and often that they're not even somebody talking um, like on, on my courses, you know, so um, at least you get the feeling that you've got a human mm-hmm. being there you're talking to. But often these e-learning platforms are just um, screens with text on and you've either got to click a button or you've got to drag and drop something into a into a thing and that's as much interaction as you're getting Um, i I guess one of the benefits that is often seen in that is that you can um the the program can be smart in that it can actually take you can tailor it to each individual learner so they only need to learn the bits that they they need the type of training i've often done um sometimes gets described as sheep dip training um and it's seen as a bad thing and i've i've grappled with this for for a long time um because a lot of the courses that i've delivered for organizations have been essentially this is a course about leadership and management or this is a course about lean manufacturing um and these are the course contents these are the learning objectives you come with the course and you get the same course that everybody else gets and for a while there was a lot of criticism about that type of training because it's seen as sheep dip training you know everybody mm-hmm. gets the same thing all the sheep mm-hmm. just get dipped into the um, into the sheep dip um and i i think yeah like like you said already i think you know there's a there's a place for that sort of thing and then there's a place for much more targeted so blended learning is the way forward definitely and it's the way we should do it um horses for courses i'll come back to that uh, phrase that um that we talked about before yeah what the things that are teachable if you like through e-learning let's do that um there's also room for okay, we'll call it sheep dipping. You know, there's a reason why farmers dip sheep the way they do. It's because they all need to be free from the pests. So they dip them in the solution to make sure that all of the sheep um, are protected. So there is a reason why um, sometimes we need to deliver the same program to all leaders, let's say. And, and, you know, we could talk about culture and... um, um, behavior and how how cultural norms get created but that's a part of it yeah so yeah i think you're right it's it's really about targeting it's about understanding what's a, what's what what is the right medium for it yeah i I have, a, I have a question for you do you think that um technology or e-learnings has created an environment where educators or us that are teaching become lazy like it supplements Things and, and I'll use I'll use it for instance. So one of my mentors when I was uh, growing up in the training realm, he uh, he handed me a dry erase marker, and he said, "You can't use PowerPoint. You can't use anything." I says, "You have to be able to teach this class everything, and all you have is your mouth and your uh, your pen. <clears throat> and if you can't draw it and explain it, then you don't know it." And um, I've always used that, but I'm like now. You know, the webinar, I can put my notes down here. Like I have some notes right now <laughs> that I'm glancing at. <laughs> and uh, I can, I can, you know, nobody knows that I'm doing that. And I, you can say, oh, he has such a pleasant voice and he's such a great teacher. And I'm just reading great stuff that I got from the Internet. You know, it's like, so I just wonder, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's lowered the quality of teaching or anyway, just just some thoughts? Yeah, um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I've 
tried that myself and I do that myself. Sometimes I think, do I need, do I need PowerPoint actually? You know, can I do everything? I'm a big flip chart fan. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love a flip chart and, um, just standing next to the flip chart and just getting a conversation going and getting input from the group. Um, so I, I use a Socratic method with training. So it's lots of asking questions. Mm. Um, you know, what's your experience of this and, uh, why do we do this and what what's the danger with that and so people are constantly it's a two-way discussion which again you cannot get on an e-learning platform but you don't really need powerpoint for that i these days i do use powerpoint because it's just the easiest thing to do mm -hmm. in terms of if i've got four questions that i want to ask people then i'll just put them on a slide yeah. um but i could do that just as easily and i have done um with a flip chart and uh, and paper so but the answer to your question is yes, I do think it has made us lazy mm -hmm. um, or it has the potential to make us lazy. And it also, it, um, I think it, it's, it, it isn't the best way to teach. So what, what we all know, we've all heard of death by PowerPoint, you know, <laughs> and they, this tends to happen when people have 20 uh, bullet points on each slide and essentially they just read from each bullet point, you know, so we're sat there watching this trainer or this speaker read each bullet point out as it comes up. And you're wondering how many more, how many more bullet points? Um, and you're looking at the space there is and you think there could be at least another 10 more bullet points there. And it's just like, you just want to die, don't you? Just, just so, so dull. And I'm afraid some trainers are like that. So um, it there is a temptation for PowerPoint to actually allow, to actually take away from your training. So um, I do a couple of things. One of the things is, I'm sure you know this, but a little tip for people who don't, on PowerPoint, if you're on the display mode, if you're doing a presentation mode, if you just press the B key, the key on your keyboard, B, it just blanks it out. So mm -hmm. when I'm not using it, I'll blank it out so that, and you notice everybody's attention straight away goes back onto you as the trainer. Right. You can then ask them questions. You can look them in the eye. As soon as you put that screen back on, they stop looking at you and they're looking at the screen. We are transfixed by those screens. So, yeah, I think that there are real risks around that. And it is technology, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a cheat code. I've got a remote that has a button on that blanks yeah. the screen. Cause yeah, yeah that's a, I, I love doing that. I'm glad. Glad to hear that uh, it's it's being done other places too. That's good. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, and and um, technology. It's a good example, really, of of technology actually um, grabbing hold of something and and changing the nature of it entirely without mm -hmm. us actually knowing. Uh, I often say, you know, when somebody says, um, uh, "Can you send me the presentation?" You know, I think mm -hmm. to myself, "I can't send you the. Pre I can send you the slides to the presentation." Yeah. That is not the presentation. Oh. The presentation is me standing up there delivering it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, had, I had some people that were very disappointed. They wanted, they wanted the presentation. I'm mm. like, well, here you go. Here's the slides. They're like, there's nothing in there. And I'm like, yeah, I just have pictures. I was like, because I, yeah. you know, it's it's again. We always use the example of like uh, seasonings. You know, PowerPoint, PowerPoint seasons what you should mm. already know and be able yeah. to explain. So, yeah, so I guess as an example of technology. Uh, being used properly, but it has its limits because it could also be really bad. Like we've, I know, yeah. I know we both uh, per participated in some really bad where you're like, 
I guess he thinks I can't read. <laughs> so yeah. He's just going to read every point. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I could do that myself. I really don't yeah. need you to be reading That's that. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, a lot more could be said about that. But let's get on to the question of AI. Uh, yes. I also want to touch on VR as well, virtual reality. Yeah. Um, I texted you before this mm -hmm. um, to ask if you had used it because I thought we might – maybe do an episode because I've got a, an Oculus Quest or a Meta Quest as it's called now. Yeah. Um, so that's a VR environment. And um, mm -hmm. I have played around a little bit with it in terms of using it for work mm -hmm. as yet. Um, I'm still unconvinced actually um, mm. about them. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Let's, let's cover that one first. Sure. Um, well, I remember this is a few years ago we had a company come in and they said, here, we're going to put these headsets on and we're all going to sit around and it's like we're we could be conferencing with each other and um so I'm, i put it on and i'm looking around and you see avatars of, yeah. of your your co-workers and like, this person could be in france and this person mm. could be in brazil and so on and so forth and i guess it was just such a new experience it was a little bit of information overload mm. but at the same time it was more like but this isn't what humans really or what they it was just it was just weird it was it was goofy and you know what i think that maybe that's the generational thing with me where i'm maybe stuck in a stuck in a area because because just to play to the point of there are people that like it we did a little career fair at a school and the the booth next to us it was uh two two ladies that worked for a hospital system and they had those those headsets and the kids were loving it you know like they were, it was basically how the doctors could perform virtual surgeries right. in the future, not doing it now, but it was like, wow, it just captured their attention. I'm like, that's kind of cool. It's like, but all I immediately went to all the downsides. I was like, what if the battery dies in the middle of the park? So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that again, it's just, it's just like there were probably people that were naysayers over the model T saying, I love my horse. It doesn't need gas. It just needs some oats, you know? Right, yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's yeah, it's it, I'm out but, with that. <laughs> but I, 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 so I'm I'm a big fan of the idea of it. So I'm I'm very excited by the idea that you can put a headset on and be in another world while you're still in your in your room. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's very exciting. It's very futuristic. I, I'm I've always been interested in future technologies, and and I, I'm excited by it. Um, but I have to say, I'm really struggling mm. to understand and identify the benefit of it for the workplace. So I've, in fact, on, on this YouTube channel, um, I've actually got a YouTube um, explainer how to set up your Oculus Quest um, and do it in the workplace. So I've actually set up that. Um, so if you're interested in it, have a look at that video. But oh. um what you're left with is you're left with a virtual office or a virtual training room. So there's various different um, pieces of software, different apps that you can use. Obviously, um, Meta has its own, and you can you can use that. Um, but there's others as well, and they all offer the same sort of thing. So you you can you can be sitting in a virtual auditorium or standing in a virtual auditorium with my, so I've done it. I've stood there in a virtual auditorium with my presentation there in front of the imagined people. I've never actually done it live, but, um, but then I think to myself, what's, why is this better mm -hmm. than having a zoom meeting 
um, like we already do or, you know, what teams or whatever technology we've got. We've actually got real people sat in front of us. It's two-dimensional, true, um, but you're actually looking at real people, whereas what what we're doing at the moment is we've got a, still quite an uncomfortable headset on, which only lasts about half an hour or an hour of continuous use. Um, and it's, it is still quite blocky. It's still, mm. it's still low res, um, and clunky. So yeah, but even if we got it to be really, really good, you're still asking the question, what's the benefit? And mm-hmm. I'm struggling to answer that question. I want to answer it. Sure. I'm struggling to. Well, let me ask you this. Have you, have you, uh, does that tie in the VR field with the augmented reality? So um, we do use augmented reality technology. Some of the stuff that we deal with is just too immense to, you can't just carry something like that into the classroom. So you can, you can kind of, um, you, you have to, everybody has to have the technology. There's the downside. Otherwise it doesn't present. But if you do have everybody with that program, they can pull it up on their device and actually hold their phone up. Let's just say to a conveyor and they can see the product on that conveyor right. rather yeah. than what they currently have. So it kind of helps people that don't have an imagination. Um, you know, and I think maybe I feel like I'm a very creative thinker and an imaginative person, so I don't need technology to picture something. But for some people, they need that. So maybe that's where it could be. Yeah, I, I can def- definitely see that. Um, I think for sales, possibly, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I. I think for training, it's going to have to be so, um, so high quality, so high resolution that it really does feel like you are actually there um, to get any benefits f- um, from it. If we're talking about delivering training, so wow. I've I've kind of I've dabbled and I'd like to do more. And if any listeners want to meet me virtually and have a go um then we can do you know and i'm quite keen to to sort of um follow up um apple are threatening to bring in their own device mm. um which is going to be three thousand dollars or something i believe um mm. as a price point so that's really only professionals are going to be able to afford that and i think that's a bit more of an augmented reality type um mm. headset but again how comfortable is it? How long does it last um, on a charge? And um, yeah, I just, I'm just, it's, it feels like a solution to a problem that, that hasn't been identified yet. Yeah, well, it's just like the e-learning problem. If it's not yeah. good, it's going to, it's going to make it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, imagine, I mean, just teaching a software class, if one, one student doesn't have their software downloaded, I'll say, oh, sorry, mm. let's, Stop, get you, oh, get you caught you up. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, and it's, so it's like just that simple thing. And I'm like, okay, now we're going to say, no, you have to have this headset on and everything. And so it just, it'll, it'll be there. And I think in its own time and place in the future, but maybe now is not the time. It, it, you've got to be able to replace what you have with something better. And if that's not the case, then why yeah. do it? Yeah, you know? totally, totally agree. I, I, I feel like it's, um, it's pretty, I, I believe it's dead. Um, I could be wrong, you know, so I'm, I'd be really happy to be wrong because I, mm-hmm. I love it as a concept. It just doesn't work. It's a bit like 3D movies, you know. Yeah. Um, they sounds great, but when you're sitting there with these silly glasses on and it doesn't quite, 
doesn't quite look right and it's a bit dark. You know, you, you start to realize. I refuse to yeah. go to 3D movies. I just yeah. can't do it. I'm like, yeah. I want to go see the 2D one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's let's get on to AI then. We've been yeah, let's do it. all this time. Um, so yeah, what's um, so what's your knowledge of, around AI at the minute? What what are your thoughts? Um, so I'm I'm in love with AI. Um, I, I absolutely. Well, there's a film about that. It's called She, isn't it? That, that's right. There is. Well, not quite like that. It's not. A, I'm not romanticizing AI or Chatbot GT or whatever. But uh, where, where I found it to be uh, helpful is that I use it to save time when it comes to maybe building a skeleton of something. Um, yeah. So, or or learning. It's it, to me, it's more of a uh, a more useful Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said. Uh, I can go down a rabbit hole of you got to make sure the information is verifiable and it's accurate yeah. because yeah. obviously it could put out some erroneous information. However, just giving you basic ideas, mm. like um, I'll give you a couple of, for instances, uh, working on a new course for next year. And it's a subject that I don't know anything about. And so I said, what would a course look like? And this is what I put in there. I said, what would a course look like for this subject? Um, I'll keep it anonymous, but it, it uh, and it says for somebody that doesn't know anything about it, I says and make this make this course um, the appropriate length so that there would be you know I put in all this stuff like just talking to a person, and within seconds it spit out a three day outline of everything you should cover, and then I took those and that gave me that gave me basically the points to research and yeah. to learn on. Whereas before yeah. I'm like you don't know what to ask if you don't know anything, and I think that's that's where I found it to be a. a a big time saver mm-hmm. um, because uh, the way my mind works, I, again, I'm chasing after the bear and I found the mice. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's helpful to give me a concentrated effort um, with, with research. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's helpful with, um, you know, analyzing data, mm-hmm. but I'm very leery of it from a leadership standpoint because I feel like that, again, it doesn't have the human touch. And I think the way that I would illustrate it is I've got a, I've got a, a football illustration, but this time I hate to disappoint you. It's going to be an American football illustration, okay. but maybe, maybe you can learn more yeah, about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they, they do the same thing with, uh, with uh, the Europe league and all that, um, or the premier league, but they analyze data and they say on this particular situation on the, on the field or the pitch, this is this is the play they should run, and the, they have they have actual AI telling them. I mean, they'll pull it up on the screen. The sportscasters they'll say, "Yep, on this time, this has a ninety eight percent chance of succeeding." Right. You know, and it's just amazing that they they've gotten down to where they can analyze all this information. Here's the problem with that: is that it doesn't sometimes factor in. Well, what's the weather look like? Um, is the field slippery? Um, is the starting player, the star player, playing? Or is he out? Or is another person out? Mm. Whereas a, a real live human being coach, they know we don't have this person and they know how to run this play perfectly. So we can't run this play. Per- you know, it's not, again, yeah. it's just, I think that kind of illustrates where I'm going at when you're dealing with personnel issues or you're trying to see what's going to be the most effective way to deal with something. Just because the numbers say this because of all the AI data doesn't mean that that's really what is going to lead to success. So. Yeah, I, I suppose though. Um, so, uh, an enthusiast would say, an enthusiast of AI would say that's just a case of um, more variables than the the software currently 
is able to take account of. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because either we're not feeding those that information into the system mm -hmm. um, or it's just currently not sophisticated enough to be able to take account of all those variables. But in principle, um, if you can feed all the variables in mm -hmm. um, of a football match um, with, you know, who's playing, um, did they have a rough night last night? Um <laughs> You know, uh, you you could, in theory, have yeah. all that information that, yeah. um, you know, the, the AI could um, observe the body language of each of the players to see whether they they looked like they normally do or maybe they looked a bit hungover, one of them, or yeah. looked a bit, um, even their mental state, they, it, it would be able to tell. Um, so that could account for those kind of variables. And then obviously the, the size of the crowd even and the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the oh, weather yeah. and, you know, yeah. all of those things could be accounted for. Yeah. I, what, do, you, do you think that um, maybe what Leeds' problem is, is they need AI? I don't know. Or maybe they need a Ted Lasso style coach. That's what yeah. they need to bring. We, we're definitely going to do a Ted Lasso episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jared, um, we've, we've started to watch the series again um, oh, because you said so you so said good. about it. So yeah, we need to hold our fire for, for the Ted Lasso right. stuff. Okay. But I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm yeah. well up for a Ted Lasso episode. But you do bring a good point up with AI. It's 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 as good as the information that you give it, and that's mm. one of the things I've had to learn is, you know, if you don't refine what you say, then uh, it's it's very it's it's very binary. It's it's. It's get, you get what you put into it, um, but but I, I mean I, I still love it. I, I think that it has a lot of use. Yeah, I mean that's that's I suppose using Chat GPT and and for um, for trainers. I mean it has the potential mm -hmm. to revolutionise what we do. I, I haven't mm -hmm. used it for developing training courses. I, I've dabbled a little bit. Um, I um, interestingly the last episode that was released, um, which will be a couple back from you if you're watching this um, was about the Star Trek um, captains and uh, leaders. Um, and I was looking for a kind of witty theme for the podcast. So I actually got chat GPT on and um, asked it to come up with a, a title or a theme for a podcast mm -hmm. about leadership and Star Trek. It didn't just do that. It gave me a whole, um, uh, concept around doing a whole podcast about Star Trek and leadership in Star Trek, which was mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant. I thought, you know what, I could do this. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. It, it is staggering. Um, so these are these large language models that essentially um, they're they're really really sophisticated um, uh, what, what predictive text aren't they essentially that's what they're doing they're, they're looking at what word comes next um based on on the internet the words on the in, in the internet which is is fascinating um i can see ai uh, and the paper that i'm taking some of this from i will just uh, mention it is a paper it's actually really interesting it's uh, 2022 so this is much more up to date um by yannick Pfeiffer, um, Tim Jesk, and Sven Hill. Um, it's called Artificial Intelligence and its Impact on Leaders and Leadership. So I recommend mm -hmm. it. it's a short um, piece, and it's not obviously giving you anything unbelievably um, shocking, but it, it just it, it is 
asking some questions which i think are quite useful so it's it um groups these four areas strategic transformation process so think about ai not large language models now but ai as a as a kind of um colleague if you like mm-hmm. um, making decisions about transformation and change so we've had a, a podcast about change imagine if ai was was planning the change um qualification and competences so this is to do with whether um we as leaders are able to understand and and um you know i suppose Mm -hmm. if you think in chat be gpt it's asking the right questions culture and human ai interaction so it looks at these four areas which i think is quite interesting but it seems to it seems to be saying so this again a bit like the e-learning stuff there's certain things that ai is going to be really good at um but then there's other things like those interactions with your team um doing one-to-ones um Mm. performance management is quite an interesting area um and that's something again technology is is it can in theory help with but um yeah how far do we as leaders want to how far will we need to hand over some of our responsibilities and um, activities. And that's the bit, I suppose, that is is unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see a lot of the, like I, I work in the food industry a lot and scheduling is a really important part of, we have a, we generally, these businesses have quite a big planning department and they're planning what's going to go on the lines. You might have multiple uh, production lines and you've got lots of different orders. The orders come in, um, over the wire and you then um, have to, to to make it that day um, but you really need to forecast what sorts of things are going to be coming down that wire so there is a forecasting system as well and I can see all of that being done by AI, AI much better sure no yeah yeah I, I agree but then it, to me what I what I worry about is, we become so dependent on AI that we all become dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that worries me. And also, obviously, there, there's resistance to change. That's just how we are uh, as people. But, um, you, you, you know, the, the thing is, a leader, you're supposed to keep your team together. Yeah. You're supposed to keep your department together, whoever it is that you're overseeing or managing. And you don't want people to be left behind. So I think as, as, as people adopt AI, it's important that they do so at a pace where everybody can can move along with the train, as it were. You don't want to leave a cart behind at the station, and um, you know that I'm, I'm not much of a well, either get with it or get left. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like that philosophy, you know, because you have some very valuable people that um, they just are resistant to that, you know. And it's like you don't want to lose that that experience that they have because I don't, you can't really. Uh, some people say you can teach experience, and I'm like, you have to live it. <laughs> And yeah, lose that aspect of it. So there's just just some thoughts with it. It's a balance. Yeah, I, t- I suppose you know we we don't know the world that that this is going to create. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm by nature, by experience, I guess, skeptical about some of the the grander um, claims. I think large language models have they are so shocking um the the ability for these things to create convincing looking 
text and argumentation that I think that's made everybody sit up and listen um, harder and look harder at this yeah. technology. And I think it's easy for us to become um, a little alarmed at what's coming next, you know, but um, I'm, I'm skeptical that, that, that we're on the verge of, you know, the singularity anytime mm-hmm. soon um, because the large, large language models work because they are, as I said, essentially a big fancy predictive text machine, um, and all they're doing is is they're uh, they're looking at correlations uh, when words sit together um, in certain contexts. Fantastic! It's an absolutely amazing um, piece of technology, and what an achievement! But it's they're not. I don't believe that they're intelligent. They don't. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand no. anything that they're writing. No. So no. I don't. I, I don't fear that. Not. Not in the short term. Um, I guess the explosion of tools that could essentially um, make most of our jobs obsolete or most of us obsolete um that's that's the bit that i think is concerning and i don't think as a society we have any way of coping with that i just Mm -hmm. i just don't know how societies that are built upon going to work earning money paying taxes um i just don't see how that copes with you know 90 percent of all jobs disappearing Mm. Yeah, that's the part. Yeah, that's that's scary. You get this move towards chatbots and virtual assistants. You remember the little the little uh, paper clip that would pop up on Microsoft? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hated that thing. That and now these these chatbots that pop up, or um, you go you go to get a service get a service done on my vehicle, and I go to the website and it's like, hey, how can I help you? And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I know what I need. Yeah. I just I just want to get it scheduled and. You got to go through the whole because it's so programmed. It, it's mm. like you can't even get to the end step. It's like the ten tones you have to hit on your phone to get through oh, to a no. live person. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we got these virtual assistants down. I'm like, they're still crap. I don't want any of that. Well, this is this is my argument. Um, you know, they they basically answer only the things that you could read on the FAQ page. That's right. Um, and you think, well. I've read that already. And so all they're doing is basically telling you to go and read this thing that you've already read. Um, yeah, it's very frustrating. I mean, maybe we should do another episode on customer service because this mm. is one of my grumpy old man, um, mm. you know, moments. I, I just, I think customer service is absolutely shocking um, these days. And I think that AI isn't helping. It's it Potentially it could help, but it, it's not currently, and wow. it shows no sign of actually being of any use to the customer. It, mm. It's good for the organization who think they've got a solution that means they can employ fewer people. Um, but as a customer, the experience is absolutely shocking. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, I think that all the, uh, the higher-ups probably say, AI, save money. Yeah. At the end of the day, saving money is music to their ears. But I'm like, you'll lose money because you're going to have dissatisfied people that don't want your product anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it, it, it could produce, maybe it's like this is the latest thing and we're going to have some digital fatigue. Um, people are going to be overloaded with everything. And then I worry, is it going to create even shorter attention spans? Because um, goodness, it's, it's tough now just to keep people's attention uh, because you've got things like TikTok and others where the, 
the videos, they're interesting sometimes, but it's still, it's like in little snippets where back in the day you could sit through a a lecture and and be like, oh, I can handle this. And now mm -mm, you got to engage the audience every few minutes or otherwise they're, they're glossed over. Yeah. You you, you do wonder um, if this is, yeah. Um, I mean, we're starting to sound like two old men, um, well, I mean, I kind of feel that way. Not <laughs> the old men discuss AI. That's what the new title will be for this. <laughs> Back in my day, yeah, I, I'm, but I'm not like that, you know, because I actually am yeah. very enthusiastic and very excited about new technology. But it, we yeah. have to use it um, in in the right way. The problem is, is is that because of our um, the system that we use to govern ourselves and to, which has been very successful um, in the Western world, if you like, over the last hundred years um, of um, capitalism, sales, um, innovation in order to, to be the best, uh, get more customers and you're more profitable, which means you can invest further and so on. This, this is a, has been a pretty successful uh, way of bringing lots of people out of poverty and and so we we all have a higher standard of living than we used to do going back hundreds of hundreds of years yeah. however um i wonder whether you know um unfettered this could be not necessarily particularly useful for this next iteration of technology you know so we've got um technology giants uh, a handful of them essentially um a handful of people deciding on the future of work and of our lives. And it's, um, and they're not really, you know, they are just normal people with um, very few qualifications in terms of ethics or mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we're, we're at the mercy of, of the Elon Musk's and the uh, Mark Zuckerberg's of, of this world. And, you know, yeah, um, it, it's, it's kind of frightening because they don't really have to, um, they don't have to answer to anybody really. They're so wealthy and um, have such dominance in the marketplace that these handful of people have, have such a, such a sway on, on what the next 20 years is going to be like. Mm -hmm. Well, not to, not to, that's scary, but not to go back to our previous episode, but I had this thought about, how, how does AI handle the Kobayashi Maru's of life? Yes. Um, you know, like, so, so the, to me, the human element's always going to be superior, but then the, it's, it's, it's scary because of the fact that I think that it could be tried, it'll be tried to be utilized with um, things that it's like, that's not really what you, you, you need people in there. Um, but the, the human element is going to uh, almost feel like it's taking a back seat. Uh, to AI eventually, and that's that's what's scary to me is because we as a we as a race as a species we uh, we're successful because of our abilities to work together. So I hope AI can help us to work together, but not replace us. If that yeah, that would be the yeah better at doing the things that computers already do. Um, mm-hmm. So as I say, things like um, planning and scheduling and making decisions or at least aiding in the decision-making process in terms of should we do this or should we do that given the market conditions, mm-hmm. these sorts of things. I, I can definitely see um, AI being a real advantage. But, yeah, making decisions about who 
who lives or dies, for instance, this is only a matter of time be, before um, you know doctors have to make these choices around how much money they spend of their budget on certain things. Um, yeah. And yeah, this will, I think, almost certainly be a task that is given to AI. So AI will now be deciding, you know, should we invest in this drug or should we invest in that drug? Um, which medical procedures are going to give us the best outcomes mm -hmm. and it will yeah. be done in a very cold calculating way um yeah. that is yeah who gets hospice care and who gets the actual heart transplant who exactly. you know in uh that's that's where it gets scary um yeah you know because it, it could be right but i'm like when you lose the the com ai doesn't have compassion that's ai right. doesn't have empathy um and yeah. those are two huge qualities that leadership needs so yeah, and, and if you just think about, um, I I know we're we're two um, people that are not um, experts in in this particular field, so maybe maybe I'm saying things that are are foolish, but um, I've always wondered. So I've all, I've always been skeptical about self driving cars. Um, I I think I can imagine self driving cars um, on the highway, you know, or, or motorways as we call them, um, multi lanes motorways, which are pretty straight with no um no traffic lights or roundabouts as we have but they're not on motorway so you can imagine those sorts of roads i can see self-driving cars for that um but the sorts of roads that we have in the uk and, and i'm guessing around the world um with roadworks everywhere and people doing all sorts of silly things you know that there is no way that that will get to self-driving cars um yeah. How's it going to work when you're taking the countryside loop in Ireland exactly, and there's exactly, a yeah. farmer and exactly. the, road, the, the roads the roads wide enough for half of your car and you've got two cars on it exactly exactly <laughs> stone so, walls on the side uh, <laughs> and, me anxiety. You know, the roads are in a terrible state so they've always got um, roadworks and the, you know that then they'll put a temporary uh, contraflow which means you're you're driving on the wrong side of the road now for a while mm. um, and. Yeah, it's just it's just going to be unbelievably difficult. Again, you might say that these are just variables that, in theory, could be um, could be worked out. But I, I simply think it it's beyond the pale. But also, the question I've always wondered, and maybe one of our listeners can um, can educate me on this one. Um, but um, I, I can imagine in the city or in in built up areas. Um, essentially these cars just grinding to a hole because all you need to do as pedestrians is just step out in front of it and just walk where you want to walk and mm -hmm. unless the car has been programmed to actually run people over which i can't believe it will the mm -hmm. car will stop um because it will try to avoid running someone over so um what's to stop cars in the city just essentially just all grinding to a halt as pedestrians just walk in front of them yeah. and ignore the traffic. Yeah. Or carjacking. Someone's trying to stop yeah. you. you like, I can, I, at that point I have permission to run over them, but the car is not going to let me. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> it sounds awful, but it's like yeah. so many, so many different things with that. Or they say, well, deaths have been reduced by 50%, but imagine saying, but all deaths are the result of failure of self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. that's where you get into the, because it goes back to our thought of wanting to have control. Whereas, yeah, whereas, yeah I, 
that's a whole that's a whole other rabbit hole, Stephen. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, I think well, le- leadership is is about um, is is a human activity. So I suppose mm-hmm. um, to bring the conversation to a bit of a close, um, my my assertion here is that you know leadership mm-hmm. is absolutely a human. Um, skill and activity management on the other hand i can imagine i'm happy to allow um some ai into that where it's just about um moving your resources into the right place at the right time fine but when it comes to leadership that's a human activity that's right just let leverage the technology for the benefits of what you need for specific things but yeah. You still have to have that that leadership in the human aspect. And the final word that has to be with a human being, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Oh well, that was an interesting conversation. Thank you, Joe. It was. It was. I like dealing dealing with that a little bit. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, okay. Good. Well, um, listeners, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Um, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're on a, a, a podcast app, then do whatever you have to do. They're all different. So you might have to follow it or subscribe or whatever you need to do um, so that you get this podcast dropping into your inbox um, every fortnight, every two weeks, um, new ones come out. Um, I mentioned before about my courses. If you want to um, take advantage of the courses, then click on the link below if you're on YouTube again. Um, And I think there will be in the show notes as well. So um, yeah, Um, If you're interested in those courses, please avail yourself. Um, Until next fortnight, thank you very much and uh, see you again soon. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.